the Lord is in this place. Yes. Man, very grateful for what God is doing here. Not that He's not moving in other places or in other churches, but so grateful for the presence of God that we get to experience here in this church. So many guests that come through when we did the um, Eastgate Summer Days and brought in all the guest speakers. I mean, unanimously, all of them said, wow, there's just a special presence of God in this place. And I don't think it's so much that God chose this to be a special place. I think the Bible is true where it says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And as long as we stay hungry and we have a heart of praise, no matter what we're facing in life, his presence will always be faithful in this house. Amen? That's what I'm saying. So, so glad that you're here today. Welcome to Eastgate Church. If you're a guest, you're no longer a guest. You're family. So make yourself at home. We're so glad that you're here um, and, and I tell you, I'm excited about after service today. We got this little thing going on called party with the pastors, and I'm so excited about that. We do that from time to time. So if you're newer here to Eastgate or if you're a guest here today, um, I invite you to just hang out for about 15 minutes after service. You'll go down this hallway uh, to our little four- and five-year-old classroom where we'll have some snacks set up, and it'll just be a real informal time. For me to be able to hang out with you, the staff to be able to hang out with you, because sometimes on Sunday mornings things get a little crazy and we're not able to talk with everyone that we would like to. So we just created this thing to give us an on-purpose place to go to, to be able to hang out and just quickly go over our heart as a church. You know, if that's a question mark, it would be, my, it would be a question mark here in my head. Like, what are these guys all about? What's the mission? What's, what's the focus? Well, we'll go over all that with you in about 10 or 15 minutes and just let you know our heart. And then the rest of the time, we'll just hang out and snack till you're ready to hit the road and go home. So it'll be a great time. So after service today, please don't miss out on that. You guys ready to get into this word? Yeah. going to continue this series today called Storytellers. And we're just going to look at some of the most powerful parables that Jesus taught. And, uh, man, I tell you, if I look a little bruised up today or beaten up today, it's because God's been all up in my business with this word today working on me. You need to understand, uh, I'm not the guy that's going to get up here and say, uh, do as I say, not as I do. You know, I do my best to apply this stuff. Not perfect, but my heart is to please God. So God's been wrecking me a little bit this week, and I know if he's, if he's, correcting me and challenging me and encouraging me with this, and he'll do the same for everyone in the house today. So uh, you guys ready to receive the word? I hope you are. So let's go to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 25. That's where we're going to dive into this message today. Uh, You guys like going on road trips? Look, this this dude... Yeah, somebody said with or without kids. That's the key question. So I love going on road trips, and this past summer... Uh, my family and I, we were able to all pile up in a car, and we went on a family road trip with the kids. So it was, but they did a lot better than you would expect. Uh, we drove all the way from here to northern Minnesota. And, uh, yeah, I was like, well, I've never been all the way. Like, so far north, you could smell Canada. Like, you could smell what the Canadians were eating for breakfast. We were that close, you know. We went to one park, and literally on the other side of a river that we were out in front of was Canada. So we went up there to hang out. Why would you go to northern Minnesota? One mission, we wanted to see the northern lights, yeah. right? So you go far enough north, you get a shot to see it. And the solar storms were just right, 
and the moon patterns were just right for to be pitch black out there and the storm strong enough for us to have a shot to see it. So we rolled the dice and drove up there. And sure enough, on one of the nights we were out there at this place called Gunflint Lake. It's really cool. Half the lake is, on, is America and the other half is Canada. And uh, sure enough, about 1 o'clock in the morning, the northern lights showed up and started doing their thing. And we just had this cool memory as a family because not everybody gets to see that, you know. And, and they didn't have to do what they did that, that night, but they did, and it was awesome. We were freezing our rear ends off because up there it was like 42 degrees with a brisk wind blowing at night. Here, we're sweating it out. Up there, it's like almost winter time, you know. So it's just crazy uh, the differences of temperature and location. On the way back, we're driving and we roll in because the kids were hungry. And you gotta, you gotta manage that line when you're doing trips with the kids. Like, you wanna, you wanna keep them happy. You don't want them to drink too much water, so you gotta stop every hour for the bathrooms. Y'all know that's a real thing, right? So, yeah, anytime you do a trip, you gotta add a, a few hours for bathroom stops. So you wanna, you wanna manage that food too so that they don't get hangry in the back. So we, we whipped in and, and got some food, and I was walking back with the order, and my two girls were with me, and there's this little thing called a dad tax. Yes, amen. Y'all, men, y'all know this thing is real, right? Dad tax is, is real. So I saw those fries in that bag, and I thought, man, I had not had some French fries in a long time, and those things look really good. So, so I reached in, and I didn't get the fries that were in, like, the container. I got the bonus fries, like, in the bottom of the bag. So I grabbed those things, and I was going to town on those. Well, both my girls saw me eating the fries. And, and Dad, don't eat all of the fries. I'm not eating all your fries, but I am Dad taxing the mess out of these things right now because I wanted some French fries, you know. And, uh, and so, Dad, you can't have that. And then... Uh, one of my daughters, I won't rattle them out, but they got, I mean, just aggravated. Dad, those are our fries. Don't eat all our fries. And I'm just like, then, then, then I threw down another card, and it's called, I'm the parent, I buy everything, shut your mouth card. You know what I mean? You know, you know that card is. So I was like, where did you get these fries from? You wouldn't have them if I didn't pay for them. Talk about your fries. These things are on loan, Joker. I'm letting you eat this stuff. All these fries are mine. Everything in that bag is your mom's and mine because we bought that junk. There you go, you unemployed, homeless person that's living with us. You know what I mean? So, so it, it was crazy how that played out. But, but I, I think it's funny sometimes how we can take that perspective and position with God. You know, it's like we think that the stuff that we have is ours, but really it's not. It all comes from him, right? At least last time I checked. And so if we're not careful in, in those moments where life isn't going the way we want it to um, and the pressure is on, we can kind of take an immature posture with him. And honestly, it's, it's an improper perspective to think that this stuff is ours. It's not ours. It's all his. And this is the heart of this parable that we're going to be looking at today in Matthew 25. A parable is a story with a spiritual truth inside of it. And a lot of times when Jesus was telling parables, there would just be multiple layers of spiritual depth in these things. He wasn't just giving a principle. He was giving like an encyclopedia of stuff just in one story, just so many different levels. And this is one of those. And... Uh, 
One, on one hand, it's a great reminder, and on the other hand, it's kind of a, a convictor. And then on the other hand, it's an encourager, too, because it lets us glimpse ahead and see what's waiting for us if we keep things in the proper perspective. So in Matthew 25, Jesus is dropping another parable on the disciples in a private conversation. And he starts off like this. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like. That's a big indicator right there. Okay? He, he's telling you one of the principles he's about to give in this is to just pull back the curtain, as it, as it were, and to show us what the kingdom of heaven is like, how this operates. Like, you guys live on earth, but let me tell you what it's like to come from where I am from. It's like when you talk to an Alabama fan. You say, listen, let me tell you what it's like to come from a land where there's electricity and you don't date your cousins. You know what I'm saying? It's almost college football season time, guys. You got to have a little bit of fun with this. So, Alabama fans in the house, I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. Apologize. Why do you pick on Alabama fans so much? Well, one is it's just crazy easy to do. They give you so much to work with. Now, but, but two, I'm an Auburn fan at heart. And I've heard all the jokes about Auburn. So that's, it goes both ways. I get it. So Jesus is telling these guys about where he's from. I think it's interesting that he says the kingdom of heaven is like. So from the beginning, he's given you a clue or a glimpse in the operation of how heaven is set up. He didn't say, like, the vacation resort of heaven. He didn't say the getaway place of heaven. He didn't even say, like, the city of heaven. He said the kingdom of heaven. Now, that implies a whole lot of structure, a whole lot of organization, a lot of hierarchy, different levels of of authority that take place, different levels of compensation that are taking place, just how a kingdom operates. Now, how many kings are in a kingdom? One, right? So it's a king's dominion, a kingdom, a dominion of the king. That's what that word means. So let me tell you about where I come from and what it is like. It's like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Now, this guy in this parable, he's going on a trip, so he still wants business to take place while he's on the trip, so he delegates portions of his wealth to these servants that he has, okay? So, in this story, how many masters are there? only one master, okay, who's delegating things out to three different servants. So to one he gives five, to another one he gives two, to another one he gives just one talent according to their abilities. Now a talent, if you read over that quickly, you don't appreciate what he's giving these guys uh, in this story. A talent, if it were to be valued today in today's economy, a talent would be equal to $1.4 million dollars. This master was loaded. You know what I'm saying? So he gave one uh, five talents. Each one's worth 1.4. He gives one two. Then he gives the other one one. Add it all up, it's a little over $11 million worth of wealth that he gives to these people. And says, while I'm gone, y'all handle business, each according to their own ability. I like that word ability because we're going to come back to it in a little bit. Um, 
ability is key here. He didn't give it to them based on how much talent they had. He, he allotted what they received based on their ability to perform. No, their ability to, 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 ad- to develop their skill set, to, to develop the giftings that they had, their ability. See, ability is what you're able to do personally to develop what you've got to work with. That's the level of your ability. That's, that's the lid of your skill set. That's the lid of your, your development at that point. Does that make sense? So he's saying, I'm going to give you guys what you need. You know, God won't give you any more than you can really, like, work with. He won't pour more resources on you than you're able to accurately handle. Now, you might be able to get resources illegitimately, but God will not do that because he's not going to set you up for failure. You know, and you might have a calling on your life, but until you reach the point where you're able to sustain that level of spiritual weight and warfare and prove faithfulness and obedience, he's not going to open that door. You'll just beat your knuckles bloody on the door, but it's not going to open until you're ready because he's not going to set you up for failure. So the heart of this whole parable, the heart of it and the core message of it is a message of stewardship. The master goes on a long trip. He delegates his wealth to these people, and he says, I want you to manage it. Now, was the, was, were the talents the servant's talents or the master's talents? It's the master's talents, yeah. It's, it's a stewardship. We're all in a stewardship here today. God owns it all. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, right? So it's all his. Jesus, um, when he was uh, ascending to the Father before he did that, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He's got all the authority. He created everything that we see. It all comes from him. Where we live is created out of the resources that he gave. Our income that we have, we have because he gives us the help to be able to show up to work and the favor to keep the job. Uh, all, it all comes from him. Every good and perfect blessing comes from above. Amen? It all comes from him. So this is, at the core of it, is a, a message on stewardship. It's what we do with what has been allocated to us by the master, because there's only one master who owns it all, and we are stewards then, who are, who are like a steward is someone who is responsible for and oversees the property or belongings of someone else. So if you were going to go on a road trip and you said, hey, I'm, I'm going, or are you going on vacation for two weeks? Pastor Josh, I'm going on vacation for two weeks. I don't want to leave my house empty that long. Can you just come stay at my place and just watch over it while I'm gone? And I say, okay, cool, I'll do that. Keep that fridge full of snacks because it's going to be a good, going to be a good time. But you're gone on your trip. I come in. I'm now a steward of your property. It's yours. You own it. I'm just responsible for making sure that it's taken care of so that it's ready for you when you come back from your trip. It's the heart of this parable that Jesus is giving his disciples. We're going to dig into this a little bit today, and I hope it speaks to you the way that it spoke to me. And you say, well, well, I don't know that I can say that God has given me a ton of talent or a ton of stuff to work with. And you might be here this morning, and you're like, resources, what's that? 
Well, we all have different levels of things that we've been entrusted with or that we're operating with. The, the focus isn't the amount. The focus is on what we do with it. Amen. See, that, that's the X factor. That's what God's paying attention to. So this is what I know. In this room, there'll be different levels of this, but this is what I know, that everyone has been given uh, three things. I'll go over them real fast, and then I'll break them down. We've all been given time. We've all been given gifts, and we've all been given resources, all of us. So let's talk about time for a second. God has given everyone time, and that's not just minutes and hours on a clock or days that make up weeks or weeks that make up months and then years or decades. That, that's a passing of time, but that's not all of what the Bible speaks of when it deals with the issue of time. Time can also represent opportunity. We all have opportunity. We all have opportunity to uh, apply ourselves and become the person that God's called us to be. We all have opportunity to use our time in a way that's beneficial to the kingdom of God and not in a selfish way. We all have opportunities to speak life over people. We have opportunities to share the gospel with people. We have opportunities to pray for one another. We all have opportunities in the time that we've been given. The other thing that we all have are gifts. God has gifted each and every one of us so that we can maximize the opportunities that we have because he's not going to call you to do something that he is not going to equip you to do. Now, I'm going to say that again because probably some of us either watching online or in the house, you're, you're a step away from moving into who God's called you to be, but you see, the, you see who you are now, and you say you're not enough. Well, here you're not enough, but when you take the step, he equips you for what you need in that moment, okay? So the giftings are there. It's our job whether, and how we approach it and how we steward those giftings that we have. Like for me... Um, one thing I can do on the side is play a guitar. It's, it's like a, it's a gift or it's a t talent. It's something I'm, I'm okay at. I'm not great at it. I'm okay at it. it. I can read chord charts. If I hear a song and I've got my guitar, I'll hear it through and I can close my eyes and I can see the chords being made as a song is being played. And by the second time it plays through, I pretty much got the thing figured out because I have a great musical ear. It's one thing God has gifted me with. A lot of you guys are gifted in the same way or with different things. But it's just something that flows pretty easy to you. Now, that gift is great. But it's up to me to develop it. Okay? It's up to me to steward it. So I can play a guitar, but if you put me next to a guy like Dave Varney, who's a lead guitar player here most Sundays on the worship team, uh, it's night and day difference. All right, so while I can play and I can hold rhythm, and I'm just telling you, I can keep a steady rhythm. It doesn't matter what kind of beat's being played. I can stay where I need to on a guitar because it's just a gift. I can naturally hear it. I can naturally feel it. But the difference between someone like me and someone like a David Barney is the work that they put in to develop the skill. The work that they put in to steward it. See, I didn't spend hours in front of the TV watching football or movies with a bowl of rice picking rice out one grain at a time with different fingers and thumbs to build my dexterity or my finger strength like he did. I haven't sat down and just practiced scales endlessly, endlessly, endlessly like he has. I haven't put in the work. 
So I've got the gift, but I haven't developed it at the level that he did. Now, we all have gifts that we're stewards of. Like I got other giftings that I put my focus on now because I'm called to be a pastor of a church. So I have to focus on growing my skill set as a communicator. I've got to focus on growing my skill set as a leader, as a strategic planner, as a fundraiser. Like there's different levels to doing this that right now in this season I put the focus on. So I'm working my rear end off to be the best pastor that I can be. It's all of us have gifts that we naturally flow in. Question becomes how we steward that gift because how many masters are there? Okay, and who owns all of it? Is it the master or us? The master owns it all. He gives the gifts. It's up to us to steward it correctly. And the other thing that we all have is resources resources. Now, there's different levels of resources in this room, but we all have levels of resources, all right? Um, now, whose resources are they? Are they our resources, or are they God's resources? You see, y'all are, are sharp. Y'all are catching on to this. So, it all belongs to Him. So, with regard to our finances, then, none of the money that we have, biblically speaking, belongs to us. None of the gifts that we have belong to us. Actually, none of the time that we've been allotted on this earth belongs to us. We're just stewards over what God has entrusted us with. It's all His. And so whether or not... Now, people don't think about it this way, but it's crazy. We don't think about misappropriating God's time, but that's what happens. We don't think about misappropriating God's gifts, but that's what happens. And we don't think about misappropriating God's resources. But that's what happens. You know, it's funny. Like, as a pastor, if I did something shady with the money of the church, which would never happen, by the way. One, I would never do it. Two, there's too many checks and balances here uh, to make sure that that never happens. But if I did it, everybody would be like, that guy stole from the church. He's going straight to hell. I can't believe he would steal from God. That's crazy. But people sitting in the chairs do it every week. Nothing but love. Nothing but love online. I told y'all, I came in here bruised up. I came in here bruised up today, and I'm going to share the same word that God dropped on me. So if I can grow through it, can we all just grow through it a little bit today? All right. So let me, let me give it to you the way that God gave it to me. Um, and it hit me hard with this. So how we, how we budget, how we manage our money matters because it's not our resources. It's his. And if we're wasteful with resources that he gives us, then they're not available when the missionary comes through, or they're not available when the project's available. They're not there for us to use when somebody's legitimately going through a storm in life and they need help getting back up on their feet. And maybe we had it, but we blew it all on whatever because we didn't budget it correctly, you see? And, 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 and God gives us a plan for finances too. In that budget, we have to... We have to budget things according to whose priority? God's priority or our priority? You see how this gets up in your business a little bit? Boy, it was getting on me all week. Because it's not our resources, it's his resources. So if it's his resources, we need to allocate it and budget it according to him. If not, we're misappropriating his funds. Crazy. So he says, first off, I want you to bring a tithe into the church. 10%. That's happened since. I mean, Adam and Eve walked out of the Garden of Eden, and that first generation was giving an offering or a tithe to the Lord out of the increase that they received. See it all through the Old Testament. 
in the, in the law that was given. You see it in the New Testament. Jesus endorsed tithing because a tithe is 10% of the increase that comes in. And in biblical standards, a tithe or a tenth stood in as a substitute for the whole. So when people would give a tithe or an offering back then, what they were saying is, here's a tenth of it or a tithe of it. Symbolically, I'm giving this to you, and I'm saying everything I have is yours. And symbolically, I give this to you to represent that. That's amazing. That's where this tithe stuff came from. You look at the, old, the New Testament church. They were so powerful because of a few reasons. One, the Holy Spirit was just rocking the world. Okay, two, I think it's their obedience and passion for Jesus. Uh, and, and three, they were operating at a level of crazy financial power. Why? Because most of them were just extravagant givers because they realized, hey, this isn't ours, it's his. So there's three areas that we all can be better stewards in, I think, with our time, with our gifts, and with our resources. So how does this all break down, and why is this so important? Why is it so important for us to show ourselves faithful and to be good stewards? Well, let's continue with this parable and dig into it just a little bit. Are y'all with me? Yeah. All right, look at the person next to you and say, wake up. Wake up. Better stuff is coming. All right, so this, the story continues. So this master is off on this trip. And in Matthew uh, 25 and verse 19, it says, After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So the master comes back. The Lord comes back. It says, after a long time. Now, symbolically in this parable, who do you think the master is? It's God, Jesus, 100%. Yeah, it's exactly who it is. You know, it's funny how he's been gone a long time, too. You know, when he ascended to heaven, he's like, peace, I'm out, but I'm coming back. So this master comes back and begins to settle accounts with them. Now, here's something that's very important to understand. There will be a day of accountability. Okay? So, context is incredibly important when you're reading scriptures from the Bible. So, everything that happens in Matthew chapter 25 is a continuation of everything that happened in Matthew chapter 24. Okay? That conversation is still taking place. If you go back and read it, you'll see what I'm telling you is true. So Matthew 24, the disciples get around Jesus and they're like, hey man, tell us what the end of times is going to be like. Tell us, tell us what this end is going to be, how it's all going to wrap up. And so Jesus starts answering that question. He's like, pay attention to these signs. It's going to be like this. This is how it's going to happen. And then Jesus, in the context of end times and how this will all wrap up, begins to give three parables to break it down because Peter was in that group and he needed hand puppets and, and parables to help get the conversation across to him. Any people in the room like that today? I know I, that's me. Yeah, so sometimes I have to have it broken down. So Jesus is breaking this stuff down to them. And so he tells a parable of, t of, of the virgins. Yeah, this group of virgins that some of them were ready, most of them were not ready. Um, he tells uh, the parable of the sheep and the goats. He's like, make sure that you're a sheep, not a goat, you know. And then he tells this parable of the talents to just drop a little bit of accountability in as a reminder that we will be held accountable 
for how we steward the time, the gifts, and the resources that have been entrusted to us while the king is out of town. But when he comes back, there will be an account for it. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Now, I know this is not the part everybody wants to jump and shout about. I get it. I did, I did not want to jump and shout about this either when God was, was hammering me. He's like, man, you, you, you do realize you are going to be accountable for these things. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, no, you're going to be accountable for these things. And then he changed my perspective on it. And I think at the end of this, we'll all be on the same page and have the right heart in this because I don't think this is so much a God's going to nail us message as it's going to be a God showing us something better is waiting for us message. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, looking at verse 10, it says, For we must all, everybody say all. all. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We are all going to receive what's due to us. Now that's either, yeah, that's awesome, or that's, oh man, I need to change some stuff. You know. Um, so my encouragement would be, if we need to change some stuff, let's change some stuff so it can become, man, this is going to be stinking awesome when I stand in front of God. And this is where the confusion sets in. Because we're in the South. If you go to a hundred churches around here, you're going to hear a gospel that, and the majority of them, they go something like this. We're all sinners, and our Lord Jesus died for us. We're all sinners saved by grace, and we don't have to earn it, and the Lord will take care of it. And we'll all, when that trumpet shouts, go be with him, or we'll breathe our last breath and be in the presence of our Lord forever, and it's going to be amazing, and it's going to be awesome. But that's not the truth. It is the truth, but it's not the truth. So, there's two parts to this. So, let me start off by saying this, because if, if you have a, a, a well-formed biblical perspective, your radars are already up right now, and you're saying, wow, this guy's talking about earning your way through life and earning salvation, and that's not what I'm saying, and that's not what Jesus is getting at in, in this parable. That's not the heart of it. You can't earn your way into it. The Bible tells us very clearly that we are saved by grace. All right? We don't deserve it says that we're saved by grace, not by works, so that no one can boast. All right? There's no confusion on that. We were caught up in sin. There was no escape for it. It took God sending his son to give his life as a sacrifice to take our place in receiving that punishment so that we could receive salvation. Now, that's 100% on Jesus. That cannot be earned. You can't do that. Cannot earn it. That's all him. Our part in it is repenting of sin and accepting him as Lord and Savior. Okay? We like to focus on the God saves us from our sins. But we also confess him as Savior and... Everybody say Lord. Because there's one king, there's one master, who's in charge of it all, who owns it all, and he's not running a do-anything-you-want kind of daycare. He has a kingdom with structure and systems and authority that happens on purpose. See, when we stand before God, this is what the Bible says in the book of Revelation, if you ever get a chance to check it out. Um, we'll stand before God and be judged. One book that's going to be opened is the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay, that pertains to salvation. 
All right? And the question is going to be whether or not your name is in that book, whether or not you've repented of your sin, whether or not Jesus is actually Lord and Savior of your life, you have a relationship with him, whether or not you've received that gift that is 100% on Jesus and just contingent upon our repentance and our, our obedience and making him Savior and Lord and having that relationship with him. Okay? That's grace. That's free. That's not, unearned, uh, that's not earned. Um, there's another book, though, that's going to be opened. Right. See, I find that most people don't know about this. Read the book of Revelation. You'll, check, you'll see it. There's another book that's going to be opened, and it's called The Book of Truth. The Book of Truth. So you've got the book of life and then the book of truth. The book of truth, when it's opened, says that we will be judged because of what we have done. Let that sink in. Well, how can that be? How can we receive grace freely, but then still be judged according to what we've done? This is what this parable breaks down. There's one master. Salvation isn't earned, but we are accountable as stewards over what God has entrusted us with. And that, listen to this, this plays a big part in what we receive as a reward, like we just read in, in Corinthians, as a reward when we enter into the kingdom of heaven. Does that make sense? Some of y'all look like the hamster wheel has just locked down. But it's true. But this stuff is not presented, though, in this light. But it's absolute biblical truth, and this is what Jesus is getting across. That salvation isn't earned, but your stewardship is a responsibility of which you will be held accountable by God. And that accountability, when, when it's time, can either be a good thing or a bad thing because it's going to determine not whether or not you go into heaven, not whether or not you spend eternity with him. That, that's, that's covered by the blood of Jesus, but it will impact on the level of your ability proven in this life how you are endowed with responsibility and resource in eternity. That's what he's saying here. Oh, I knew when I started preaching this today that the amens were going to die down and people were going to begin to start thinking about this from a different perspective. But I'll say this again. This does not have to be a bad thing. It does not have to be a bad thing at all. And so the story continues, Matthew 25. Um, so... The master comes back in town, and, and he starts dealing with people and handling business. He says, uh, so he who received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. I gained five more talents because your boy is a baller. I brought it back home. I earned five more besides them. Then the Lord said to him, oh, look, now it's changed from master to Lord. Uh, Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enjoy or enter into the joy of your Lord. So a couple of things here. Listen, the Lord isn't dishing out rewards because of what was produced. He's not dishing out rewards over what, what was produced. The guy that produced 
five more talents, and the other servant who doubled and produced two more talents, they both got talked to the same way by this master who came back into town. It's not about what you produce. What he rewarded was the faithfulness. Can you be faithful? Can you be obedient? It was was the faithfulness to do what they were asked to do, to prove themselves trustworthy. That's what the master rewarded them for. It was the faithfulness. And so many times we get that confusion. We look at what other people are doing and what other people are accomplishing, and they they could take over the entire world and have a church of 50,000 people and resources like crazy and completely miss it because they were not faithful to do what the master asked them to do. It's about being faithful with what he asked you to do so can you be faithful and obedient with the time that you and the opportunities that you have can we be faithful and obedient to develop the gifts that we've been entrusted with so we can be more effective in what we've been called to can we be faithful with the resources and stand on the truth of God's word when the bills outlast the money when the storms are hitting when the cars break down can we be faithful to stand because that's what god is looking at it's faithfulness can you be faithful and because of their faithfulness look at how this is worded he says you're faithful over a few things i will make you ruler over many things Enter into the joy of your Lord. Faithfulness lets the Lord know that he can trust us with more. Listen, here's a misconception. A lot of times we perceive that more being in this lifetime. That's not what the Bible says. I think when we get to heaven... Some of the most obscure, never heard of people will be operating in the highest positions of authority and power in the hierarchy of the kingdom of heaven because it's about the faithfulness. It's about the faithfulness, not the bling that we get caught up with so much in this life. And then there's the third guy. Everybody hold up three fingers for number three. Whoo, this guy, you want to talk about special. Look at the person next to you and say, don't be... Number three. You don't want to be number three. This guy had it all wrong. And I think maybe we misunderstood, I think, the dealings with the master in this parable with this third servant. So the first two did what they were supposed to do. This third guy did not. The Bible says it. He took it. He buried it. Did nothing with it. Now, Sunday school will tell you the moral of this is you don't bury your talents you let the Lord have access to all of it, and you put it to work. You don't bury your talents. And that, that's, a good, that's a good way to take it, but I don't think that's all that was happening here. Because when the master came back, all right, he rewarded the ones that were faithful. And this guy he dealt with a little differently. Um, he called him a wicked and lazy servant. Wicked and lazy. And I get the lazy part because you just bury it. You play it safe, you know. I didn't lose it. I didn't cost you any money. So it was waiting for you when you came back. Why would he call him wicked? 
I think about that for a second. And the master said to him, he said, well, you should have at least put it in the bank so I could have at least earned some interest on it. You didn't invest it or work it or do anything with it. At least I could have had some interest. You ever wondered why the servant didn't put the money in the bank? I was like, why, why, would, he, why would he call this guy wicked for this whole thing? And then I started thinking, maybe the Bible isn't as super spiritual as we think it is. Maybe there's a practical aspect to this as well. You know? And I think that you never really get more spiritual than when you practically apply the Word of God. Uh, so, so you got this servant who buries this stuff knowing that his master is going to go on a long trip to a different land. You don't put it in the bank because if you put it in the bank, there's a record. They got to know how much money went in so they know how much interest to pay out. There's a record of it. Even back then, they would have had to have some kind of record of it. This joker didn't want any record of it. He buried it. Knowing his master was going on a long trip. Knowing that he was the only one that knew where that stuff was buried. So just in case the master didn't come back, he knew just where to go to dig it up and pocket it and keep it for himself. That's why this guy called the servant wicked. He's like, you dirty dog. You were banking on me dying or not coming back so you could keep this for yourselves. That's messed up, isn't it? He's like, man, if you're going to play it, at least put it in the bank so I can get it. No, he was going to keep it all $1.4 million. I got to be honest with you. I might have thought about it too. I might have thought about it too for a second and then decided to do the right thing, hopefully. I've never been tempted with $1.4 million. Maybe you have. I don't know how to respond to that. So, so he buries this stuff, intending to keep it for himself. And I'm like, that dude is, that's so dumb. Why would you do that? The master said he was coming back, but he was banking on that he wouldn't. And then I was like, oh my God, how many times though have I done that myself where I've taken something that the Lord gave to me and tried to bury it and keep it for myself instead of being faithful and obedient to what the Lord has called me to do with it. So many times I wanted to buy something instead of giving it. So many times I wanted to just take the day and do absolutely nothing when I knew I had responsibilities and commitments. You know, so many, so many times where I, I knew I needed to put in the reps, but I didn't want to, to develop the gifts that I have. It all comes to bear because the master's always coming home. And I wonder if some of us might have buried some stuff thinking that we could keep it for ourselves. And I'm here to tell you, you don't get to play that game. If I don't get to play it, you don't get to play it. Word of God's for me, the Word of God's for you. Number three, messed up big time. So, so here's part of the big takeaway, is that our responsibility is to faithfully protect and develop the time, gifts, and resources God has entrusted to us as stewards on His behalf. How many masters are there? It's only one. Who owns all the stuff? It's God's. We're just stewards over it. We're just stewards over it. When you look in the book of Revelation at the millennial reign of Jesus, where he comes down on the earth, he's going to reign on the earth out of Jerusalem for a thousand years with a rod of iron, the Bible says. He's going to establish his kingdom on the earth. And during that time, there will be different levels of hierarchy, position, and power, the Bible tells us as we're rewarded for how well 
we've stewarded what was entrusted to us just like this parable says in eternity after heaven and earth pass away and the new heaven and the new earth is created it's funny to me how many times so many people don't realize that's going to happen earth ain't going to be here forever heaven itself isn't actually going to last forever there will be a new heaven and a new earth it will be the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of heaven on earth God's way God's structure God's authority and how we spend eternity, the Bible says, we will, listen to this, listen to what Scripture says, we will rule and reign with Christ. How that plays out, though, isn't a Powerball drawing up in heaven when you get there. I mean, there's not like the lottery thing set up, and we go walk in, and Jesus says, man, you made it, awesome, well done, good and faithful servant, let's see what you've won! And you look at your card and see that the numbers drop out. It doesn't work that way. It's already settled before you get there. It's how faithful we are in this life that determines the reward in the next. I know the Bible says that we'll all take our crowns and we'll cast them down at the feet of Jesus. And that's symbolic of us recognizing it's not us, it's him, because there's one king, there's one master, it's always going to be Jesus. But, but, the reward in which we live in, though, now that is tiered and scaled out, and it's contingent on our faithfulness. Salvation is free, but we're responsible, we're responsible for the stewardship of what God has given us. And I know the pushback sometimes is, well, man, I've got to look out for me. That's what you hear a lot. I've got to be about me. I've got to look out for me. Let me ask you a question, though. Who do you think would do a better job looking out for you? You or Jesus? Jesus. Yeah. Which way do you think would be better, your way or God's way? Yeah, it's the biggest no-brainer. The disconnect, though, is in the day-to-day -day with us on how we steward these things, our time, our gifts, and our resources. See, if it's his kingdom and it's his way, then he's very specific about that way. And if we don't want to misappropriate the time, the gifts, or the resources, then it's important that we do it his way, according to his word, not our way. Not our way, his way. It makes a big difference. Uh, I want to show you a photo of something that I absolutely hate as we're getting ready to close. Anybody in here just love Brussels sprouts? Oh, look at y'all. I don't understand you at all, man. I wish, I wish I liked Brussels sprouts. There's just something about them. Man, I'll, I'll eat a ton of vegetables, uh, but I hate Brussels sprouts. I don't like the texture. I don't like the taste. I don't like the smell. I don't like the bad breath that it gives me. I hate Brussels sprouts. I will never eat Brussels sprouts on my own ever, but... If you came up to me and said, Pastor Josh, if you will eat Brussels sprouts with every meal for 90 days, I will give you $5 million. I'm going to find a way to eat Brussels sprouts, right? Like you would too. Because the payoff is going to be worth a whole lot more than the discomfort. The payoff is going to be worth going through something that I would prefer to not go through. I would rather not eat Brussels sprouts. But if you're going to give me $5 million, 
whoo, baby, I'll, I will go through it for 90 days and take that five million, and then I will make sure that I never have to eat Brussels sprouts again. You know what I'm saying? Five million dollars because the payoff is worth it. And this is the heart of this parable that Jesus is giving, is that the payoff, the reward is worth it because you're not always going to feel like stewarding the time correctly and you're not always going to feel like developing the gifts and going through the grind and the process and you're not always going to feel like hitting the brakes and deciding who actually is Lord over your finances. Okay? You're not going to feel like doing that in the flesh. That's why the Bible says where, the, where your treasure is, there your heart is too. Man, that's a big one. That's a big one. It really is. But what Jesus is saying is the payoff, the payoff, the payoff of submitting and being faithful is so much more than what you're going through. Paul called them light and momentary troubles that were earning us an eternal reward. Are you seeing this? It's a beautiful picture where Jesus say, say, don't get caught up with what you see. This isn't it. Be a good steward over what I've commanded you to be a steward of because it is unlocking and ensuring a powerful reward for you on the other side. And I don't want you to miss out. So it becomes an issue of lordship more than anything. Because we're good about calling him Savior, but it's Savior and Lord. And the misconception is that we can accept him as Lord and Savior, come to church, lift up our hands, and give. But I'm here to tell you, like, if we're solid in one of these areas, that's not all of the areas. And we're going to be held accountable for all of it. Not, not to a standard of perfection, okay? Not to a standard of what we produce. Not to a standard of how much we give above and beyond. To, to a standard of faithfulness. Faithfulness. Do you trust Him with everything? If you're faithful over a few things, the Bible says that we get to be ruler over much. And that's the promise. That's so encouraging to me. Now here's a question. Can we be better stewards? And when God was getting on, like getting with me on this, I was just like, man, yeah, I can. And then I thought, wow, wait a second. That takes all the, all the focus and all the pressure off of me, though, if I do this. Because my life then is not my own anymore. I was bought with a price. It becomes what I can do to serve the king, to serve my master, to serve. The Bible says that our life is not our own. It says that our life is just a mist here today, gone tomorrow. You know, but what we do literally does echo through eternity. If it takes the focus off of me and it puts me in a position of obedience to him, and the posture and acts of faithfulness to him, then that puts me in the middle of his will because I'm being obedient to his word. And if I'm obedient to his word, the word says that I'll be blessed. Not just with stuff in, in this life, but also in eternity to come. See, there, there's this veil that sometimes blocks our vision we can't see around that curve to the other side, and I'm telling you, it's amazing. And what we decide to do today, it won't 
it won't affect the issue of salvation, but it will affect the issue of reward. Because we're called to be stewards. None of this belongs to us. It belongs to Him. My heart and God's heart is that we're faithful so that He can pour out that reward. Bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask that you speak to all of us in this moment. Lord, you've been speaking to me so much this week out of this parable, and I pray that everyone catches your heart through this and what you're speaking of in the context of end-time events and what will happen. You will come back. There will be an accounting. That doesn't have to be a bad thing. And even up until this moment, if we haven't gotten it right or things have gotten out of balance and Maybe we haven't been the best steward of the opportunity and time that you've given us, Lord. That can change today. If we haven't been the best steward of the giftings, if we just clicked it into autopilot and we're trying to ride on those things and not develop that talent or those giftings, Father, we can change that today. Lord, if we've been misappropriating your funds that we think are our resources, Father, it all belongs to you. We can change that today. And do it according to your word, your will, and your way, Father. Because you're the one king. Lord, we're just stewards. And thank you that we get to be stewards over what you own. Because none of us deserve it. None of us deserve it. If we got what we deserve, none of us would be here today. We would all just... It, don't even pass go. It's all of us would be in hell. Because we've all fallen short. Thank you for your grace and your love, Lord. I pray that we settle that issue of lordship once and for all. Because we can trick ourselves into thinking that we've got it under control while the master's gone. But the day's coming where you'll be back. And the day's coming where we'll stand before you. Lord, let us live lives in such a way as to be faithful with what you've entrusted us. So we can hear... Come in, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. Now you can be ruler over much. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed, no one looking around. Is there an issue of lordship you need to settle today? I'm not going to single you out or, or call you up front. This is, this is, I believe, a very personal and private moment between you and the Lord. And I just want to be a witness to this to know how God is speaking to our church and I want to be able to pray over you in a moment. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Josh, you know what? God has spoken to me in a special way with this and I've just seen some areas. Seen some areas in which I, I've actually begun to think that this stuff is mine and it's not his and I have not been the best steward over it. And honestly, I, I have placed myself as Lord over this area of my life. And I need to reevaluate that and put the rightful Lord on the throne. If you need to solve and settle that issue of lordship this morning, this is for you. If you need to make a change this morning, this is for you. You don't have to get to that day one day in the future and face it with regret. We can face it with joy knowing that we were faithful. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Josh, I need to make a change. 
I need to make a change. I had to make some changes earlier this week. What's important isn't so much what needs to be changed. What's important is that that it changes. So when I count to three, if that's you, you know, I got, I got some stuff I need to put back under the lordship of Jesus. I've got some stuff I need to step up and become a better steward of. Today needs to be a day of change. When I count to three, lift your eyes up and look at me. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift them up and look at me if that's yours. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, 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 I see you. Does God not know what he's doing? And I see you, I see you right there. I see you in the back. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. If you haven't lifted your eyes yet, you know you need to. Lift them up and look at me. This is a beautiful thing because change is taking place. I see you right there. All of us are putting us in a better position to be faithful for that reward that's waiting for us one day. Let's all stand this morning if we can. I just want to pray over us all. Father, I thank you so much for those that responded. Lord, for speaking the truth of your word to all of us. Lord, for what you're saying to us. Lord, let today be a day of change. Lord, every person that responded knows what you spoke to them. Holy Spirit, they know what you put your finger on. And it's not my job to try to hammer that home. It's your job to do what you do, Holy Spirit. So I thank you for speaking and for bringing conviction and change. I thank you for hearts that responded to the truth of your word. Lord, let the change that's made today, Lord, be something that we stand in tomorrow and the days to come and not just something that happens in a moment. Lord, we choose right now, all of us, Lord, to put ourselves under your headship, under your kingship. It's all because of you. Our salvation is contingent upon you. Everything that we have comes from you, Lord. You are the king. It all belongs to you. Father, we're just stewards over it. So speak to us from your word, Father, and show us what steps we need to take and what changes need to be made so that we are stewards that are correct in what we do on your behalf with the time and the gifts and the resources that you have given. Lord, let us be faithful. Let us be faithful. Not caught up in how much or when, or, but let us be faithful. Faithful, Father, when, when we walk out of a service like this when you're speaking, but faithful when the car breaks down. Faithful when things aren't right at work. Faithful when there's storms in our family. That we're faithful to do what you've called us to do when we don't see how we're going to get from point A to point B, that we're faithful when our health is good, that we're faithful when our health is bad because that doesn't change you at all, Father, and these light and momentary struggles are working out for us an eternal reward. Let us be a people that are faithful, serving you so that when we stand before you, we hear, well done, good and faithful servant so that we can enter into our reward. Father, we give you glory for speaking to us today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Let's give God a shout of praise.